In this week's parasha, we learn that Yosef has two sons before the famine begins in Mitzrayim and the surrounding areas, from which Rashi learns that it is Oser, it is forbidden for a couple to be intimate at a time of famine. question is, we know great people in Torah who were. So how do you explain that? And is the message only a famine? Only a famine that affects Jewish people? Any kind of tragedy? Let's have a look. Even Pasukul, Yosef, you large snake born him, but Tenem Tovish Nasarov, the Pasuk says that Yosef had two sons born to him before there was a famine. So Tashi Bifirusha from Gemara, Rashi quotes the Gemara in Tainus, Mikan. From here we learn, that it is forbidden for a couple to engage in intimacy in years of famine. In fact, Tosa says, one second. Moshe's mother was born in the on the threshold, like in the gate, as they came into into Mitzrayim. That was during a famine. How could we suggest that such a great person as Yehovah's father Levi broke this rule? And another example, Derech Zefrechman, another question. When Avimelech saw Yitzchak and Rivka, when they were in the land of the Plishtim, Rashi says that means that they were intimate. It was a time of famine. So there's a whole lot of different suggestions. We're going to look at three from the commentaries to try and explain this. So the Mephoshim go into a lot of detail. They give three possible answers. Uh, they give many possible answers. Mehem, we're going to look at three of them. Aleph. It's not really that it's forbidden as in a rule of Torah. Rather, it is the best way for a person to conduct themselves. And it's something that for whatever reason, Levi and Yitzchak were not so cautious about. Or perhaps you could say not that they weren't cautious, but it's before the giving of the Torah, so it wasn't yet an issue. On the Raya, from Yosef is blazed and asmachta. The fact that the Gemara quotes Yosef as an example, as Rashi says, Mikan, from here we learn that this is what a person should avoid during a time of famine. That's just to support a notion which is only applicable after the giving of the Torah. One explanation. Another explanation is, depends on a person's circumstances. Base, a person who has not yet had children. They have not yet fulfilled the mitzvah to populate the world. Yitzchak, Yitzchak clearly didn't have children. Or Levi, who maybe had children but not a daughter. Certainly, you know, so he hadn't fulfilled yet the mitzvah of Piriya So they'd be allowed to, even in a time of famine, to be intimate. Or perhaps on a mikvah night, they would override the prohibition. Second explanation, circumstance. The third explanation is, Gimel, this is Noven Yisoshurim Bitzar, that it's only when the Jewish people are in distress, that's when a person or a couple has to avoid intimacy. On the far is Niki Ven Kinesa by Yitzchak and Levi, which is why it didn't apply to either Yitzchak or Levi. Because in the time of Yitzchak, obviously, Yitzchak has escaped the famine. In the time of Levi, he belongs to the family of Yaakov who had enough resources. They were not affected by the famine. They had storehouses of grain. And they would say that Yosef, Al-Pipshat, didn't know what was going on with his family in Canaan and assumed that they were suffering distress from the famine. That's why he and his family, that's why he didn't have uh, children at that time. Okay, if all of this is true, we've avoided the biggest question. Why doesn't Rashi talk about it? This raises a tremendous question on Rashi. How come Rashi doesn't address at all these questions? How could Levi have a child? How could Yitzchak be intimate during a famine? 
Because Rashi has to address these because they are questions that are shot based questions. If I ask if I met a gamer, when it says I've met a looked out of his window, is Rashi the one who alerts us to the fact that what Avi Medech sees is Rivka and Yitzchak and Rivka in an intimate setting? And Rashi is the one who tells us not only was there a temporary famine in the land, but there was a year of famine, which is exactly the circumstance when a couple is not supposed to be intimate. Likewise, it's Rashi who tells us. As Yechevet was born on the way, literally at the doorstep of Mitzrayim. Which was obviously during a famine, because the Torah tells us that. So Rashi brought up these issues. He should address them. It'd be impossible to suggest what Rashi knows, that there are other Mephorshim who deal with it, and let's rely on their interpretation. Besides the fact that we'll talk about one or two of them, but there are quite a number of questions on each of these three explanations offered by the Mephorshim. We're not going to go into great detail about them. There's one overriding question right across the board. Rashi doesn't say anything in any part of his commentary that even alludes to any one of these three explanations. Now we know that Rashi wrote his commentary in such a way. That even a five-year-old learning Torah for the first time, that a five-year-old should understand what Rashi is trying to tell us, even though Rashi is so succinct. And he's not going to have to, five-year-old's not going to have to shop around for further insight to be able to understand Rashi's interpretation. So from Devos Rashi Zok Do Stam, the fact that Rashi says generically, simply, on Kenachelukim Vetanayim, without giving us any explanations. Also, Rashi just says, like as an unequivocal statement, a couple may not be intimate during a time of famine. Is Muchach that? Immediately shows us that Rashi does not hold of any of the three opinions. As Aleph Dosis and Isa Kipshutoi, he doesn't hold it as Midis Chasidis. He says Aser, which means Aser. It's forbidden. Based Isa is Farlam and Onun He doesn't believe that circumstances come into context, in, into play over here, because he says it as a, as a blanket statement. Rashi does not distinguish it if it's before or after Matantari, if the person has or doesn't have children, or if this happens to be a time of mikveh night. He says it as a blanket statement. And Gimel says, Rashi also doesn't qualify that this restriction only applies if Jews are in distress. Rashi says simply, if there's a famine, then it's forbidden for a couple to be together. So why doesn't Rashi deal with Yitzchak and Levi? Before we get there, another question about Rashi. Rashi's wording is very specific. Rashi says, this is the source of this prohibition. Here's where we learn the restriction against a couple being intimate during a time of famine. Anytime Rashi says, the implication is you would have thought you learned it from somewhere else, and he has to debunk that. Rashi is obviously showing us there's elsewhere that you would have thought to be the source of this Isur, and we're not going to rely on that as the source. This is the primary source of the prohibition against couples' intimacy during the time of famine. So where's the other possible source? 
If you look in Yerushalmi in the Bereshis Rabbah, it says, Besides this story, there's another classic example of a world in distress and people who the Torah illustrates are not allowed to be together. Where was that? And they quote the story at the time of going into the Teva. Who goes into the Teva? You and your sons, the men. Your wife and your daughters-in-law, the women. They go with you. The separation of the genders is a clear message according to the Yerushalmi and the Medrash that David is telling them, stay apart. You may not be intimate while you are in the Teva. Logic says it must be the same kind of restriction as during a famine. It's a time when the world is in pain. Couples may not be intimate. It doesn't have to be exactly a famine, any kind of pain. Is So that raises a huge question. Rashi tells us on Parashas Noyach, as Noyach is given he tells us clearly that Noach and his family were not permitted to engage in intimacy while in the Teva. What, for what reason? Because the world is in pain and suffering. How come Rashi now says, but we learn it as a principle from Yosef, not from Noach? Surely it'd be ideal to learn the principle from the earliest presentation of the principle in Parashas Noach, not to wait all the way until we get to Yosef. So, actually, the Noyach story is going to give us the insight we need to answer this question. The Birbosever, he, Hanoi Senes, explanation is that's exactly the point. Look at the Noyach story and you'll see it is vastly different to the Yosef story. The fact that Rashi adds the word Mikan, which the Gemara didn't say. If you're looking from a Pshat perspective, Yosef's story. Is the prohibition against Yosef being in, having children is not the same as Noach being prohibited from intimacy. Because the principle of the world being in a state of pain is different in Yosef's scenario as it is in Noach's scenario. Let's understand. The language Rashi used about Noach that the whole world is in pain by Mabel, Mentevelt Bechlal seems a very broad statement that the entire world is suffering. Not only people. It sounds like animals also are suffering. Now, the animals, not so simple. You can't say that the, the, the vast majority of species are in pain. They didn't survive. The Torah tells us clearly everybody was erased. So who's suffering over here? So who of the world are we talking about who is in pain? The people in the Teva. Because yes, living in those cramped quarters for a year with all these different species of animals must have been painful. If that is the case, which it must be, then Noach and his family are experiencing, they're sharing the pain of everybody else. That would not be what we're trying to extrapolate. As at soul, Rav mentions in Betzar, is under the Dafus Chachem Shtatu Zayin Zeretzar. The lesson that the Gemara Tainis, which Rashi is saying is learnt Mikan, is not that if you, together with everybody else, is in pain, then you may not have uh, intimacy. It's saying where others are in pain and your life is okay, in sympathy or solidarity, you may not have intimacy. That's not happening in the Noach story. 
We could not extrapolate from the story of Noach that if there's a famine, and we are people who are not suffering from the famine, by Yosef, and like in Yosef's story where he's got all the food in the world, is not lacking any grain, he should now not have intimacy because of solidarity with others that is different to the story of Noach. That makes a lot of sense. And with that, we could start understanding the story of why Yitzchak and Levi are not in the same boat. But let's first also look at something else that Rashi says, which is really important. Really important that Rashi from the Pshat perspective is saying that this restriction applies if there are years, plural, of famine. Why is that important? Yes, Rashi is quoting a Gemara. Maybe that's the reason he uses that explanation. That's not a good enough reason for Rashi. Rashi's goal is to explain what's going on in this Pasuk. He doesn't even tell us it's from the Gemara. So therefore his goal is to explain the Pasuk, not to quote the Gemara. So he doesn't have to use the same words. Why does Rashi use Shenois Ra'avain, years in the plural of famine? Why does Rashi t- change the language on the Pasuk he's, he's quoting? The Pasuk says that what happened? Yosef's children were born before the year of famine began. Why does Rashi switch and say in years of famine? There must be a message over here. And there's a very simple distinction between saying a year or years of famine. If you say it's a year of famine, you're describing that year. That year is experiencing famine. But if you're saying years in the plural of famine, you're obviously highlighting the fact that this is an ongoing problem. And that distinction is not just a distinction in terms of how long See the row of Dayat Blazenior or the mirror if it's a one or multiple year famine. No mokum le masis a chirikin echus. There must be a fun, fundamental, principally different reality of a one year or multiple year famine. What's the difference? If something happens just for a year, you can say, okay, it's harsh, but it's just for now, it's temporary. But when it now repeats for a second year, that means another whole cycle, agricultural cycle, and again there's a famine. And now we start to say these are years of famine. This is now a process, it's a chapter, it's ongoing. It is something which has now taken hold of the reality. It has the strength of a chazaka. It's much harsher. And we see, by the way, precedent for this, that something that repeats Rashi says is much harsher. Yehuda, after Er and Oinon had both died after being married to Tamar, now he's worried. What's going to happen to Shayla? Because she now has established this pattern that her husbands die. Established patterns are much more overwhelming and difficult. A second year of famine is an exponentially harder experience than an outlier bad year. Same here. If there's one year of famine, which is terrible, it's a, it's a terrible thing. This year, nothing grew properly. It is only relevant in its unusual state or time. 
which is which is temporary and just for now and it's because of the particular meteorological or agricultural circumstance of that particular year which caused this year's produce not to grow but once it starts to repeat again for a second year, that implies that now we've gone into a pattern, a gansa to kufa, this is a phase. And something unusual is happening and it's ongoing. The is bringing devastation through famine to the world. It's much harsher. And that would explain Simply, again, according to Pshat, why people who are not facing the famine should resist or should abstain during a time of famine. They're not in pain. Because think about what's happening over here. The Ibishti is interfering with the ordinary seasonal processes. He's interfering with the nature of how the world should be sustained. They're undermining the settled stability of the world. It's not an appropriate time if the Eibushte is undermining the stability of the world. It's not a time to contribute to the stability of the world by having children. It doesn't matter if you're personally affected or not. Now that we understand, according to Pshat, that what restricts a couple from intimacy is the fact that there's a tkufa, that there's a pattern, that there's an ongoing disruption of nature in the famine. That's when you can't be intimate. Then the logic is, until that pattern has been established, there is no restriction. In fact, you wouldn't be allowed to abstain. There's an imperative in the Torah to have children. As long as it's not absolutely clear that there's a devastating problem in the world. The simplest understanding of the Pasuk will illustrate that you dare not break the positive myths in the Torah to have children. It would be illogical to suggest, it would be criminal to suggest, don't have children in case this is going to develop into some kind of a devastating, uprooting uh, nature kind of, of process. If that's the case, then it's obvious why Yitzchak and Levi did not have a problem having children in their stories. Rashi is very clear that in Yitzchak's time, it was a single year of famine, a single year of bad crops. It wasn't an ongoing process. So of course Yitzchak and Rivka have no restriction against being intimate. Levi, when was Yechevet conceived? Three months into what was going to become the second year of the famine. Because we know well that Yechevet is born at the end of the second year. So the simple arithmetic tells me she was conceived early on in the second year of the, of the famine. Before it became clear and obvious that there's now this pattern in play, because <clears throat> it's not yet clear and obvious that there's going to be years of famine. I don't know. We're going to wait and see. Maybe the crops will just be late this year. Yosef is in a completely different scenario. Mashenk and Yosef. Yosef knows that this is going to be a bad patch of seven years of famine. As it's coming on, 
How does he know of it? It's self free of Baruch and the Parsha. As is Fat Pesach given. We know from the beginning of the Parsha. Yoyz is the one who decoded Paro's dreams to understand Hashem's message. It's what David's just telling him. So if David just says it's going to be seven years, you have to believe it. The is by him given the Isabald Togon. So therefore, in Yosef's case, the prohibition against intimacy begins immediately because he knows that this is a time of breaking Yeshua Shalom. Therefore, it's not a time to contribute to Yeshua Shalom, regardless of whether you have food in the in the house or not. On me can lent men up, and therefore we can learn from Yosef's example as in Yedin Fal, any scenario where we know with clarity that this is going to be an ongoing famine state, as a shen gevorn achazoka, it's now been established as a pattern, then it's also the other mishamish mitos. And when we have the clarity, with, uh, in our case, it will only be as things unfold, but Yosef had it right up front, then families have to abstain. Now you'll ask the question, hang on a second. You can imagine that no matter what, People had heard about this man who interpreted Paro's dreams and predicted what was going to come, even next door in Canaan. Especially when people saw he made the prediction, and now the first year, there is no food. And now we're going into a second year, it looks like there's not going to be food again. So why is Levi not taking that into consideration and is still going ahead and conceiving children? As the Tiritz Bepashto says, the Rebbe, think about it logically, it's the easiest thing to answer. Levi has no way of knowing that that anonymous individual who interpreted Paro's dreams is somebody of the stature of Yosef. He doesn't know it's Yosef. He only heard the news as it came from Egypt. Some youngster from no pedigree, he's a slave. He's the one who interpreted the dreams. What everybody also knew is that the regular and reliable astrologers, all the regular trusted interpreters of Paro's dreams did not give this interpretation. Why should Levi take the word of some kind of, you know, fly by night kind of personality? So Levi makes a simple calculation. He does not have the reason to trust some guy who is a slave, a youngster, and based on that, to ignore an instruction that he has to have children. Especially when you consider it's a dream. And the rules of dreams, even if great Jewish people have those dreams, as Rashi told us right at the beginning of Pashat, there's no dream without something meaningless. Then it is possible that the general message of the dream is true or has truth. But if you're a little bit optimistic, you would say that detail, that there are going to be seven contiguous years of famine, that's the part of the dream we don't take seriously. This is Rashi looking from the lens of Pshat. Let's look for a moment how this appears in Halacha. Look how it's brought in the Interestingly, when they bring the halacha that in a time of difficulty, famine, couples may not be intimate, they say in a year of famine, not like the original Gemara Tainis, years of famine. In Gemara, Gemara gives us context. 
Immediately before it tells us the prohibition against a couple being intimate during a famine, it tells us First, it talks about the great reward for people who tighten their own belt at a time of famine for others. Which Rashi there explains to mean because a person causes discomfort to themselves when the rest of the Jewish nation is in pain, therefore they'll be rewarded. And what does the Gemara say straight after telling us that couples should not be intimate during the time of, or forbidden to be intimate during the time of famine? Then it talks about the terrible thing that happens if one person separates themselves from the community in difficult times. That tells us that from the lens of Halacha, we look at this prohibition differently to how we see it through the lens of Pshat of Torah. The halachic requirement is only if fellow Jews are in distress, then we have to also have some discomfort in our lives. Now, if that's the premise, according to halacha, that it's a matter of Jews in, in pain, then the length of time is not going to determine whether or not we should share their pain. Because even if it is a short term, if it's a one-year famine, the fact is Jews are in pain, we should also resist enjoying life in the normal way. Rashi obviously is looking from the perspective of Pshat, which is not how does this play out in Allah, but how do we understand the Pasuk? Rashi will also give us another insight. Because what Rashi is talking about over here is a Pasuk, not about the conception of Yosef's children, but the birth of Yosef's children, shows a higher level of awareness in The Pasuk is telling us that Yosef's sons were born before the famine. The fact that the Pasuk is discussing their birth rather than their conception is, you can understand, as neat nor in the Shneri of Gufa is the Yisrael Shamish. The Torah is telling us that there's even an awareness not only not to be intimate during the time of famine, but if a person is conscious of the famine, they may not be intimate nine months in advance of it. But even as the that children should not be born during a time of famine. Now, why would that be? Surely, the Gemara and definitely the Halach in Shulchan Aruch is that a person should not be intimate during a time of famine, not in advance. So, what's Rashi telling us over here? There's a spiritual layer to this as well. The analysis moving. The baldas at time is remember Rashi according to Pshat. The reason why we avoid intimacy during a famine is. Not like the halacha says, because fellow Jews are suffering and we should share their suffering. Because if that's the concern, then only when they're suffering do we have to abstain. When they're in pain, we shouldn't do something which is pleasurable. Rashi, according to Pshat, is saying it's about how long does the pain last. Which means Rashi says we only have to abstain if there is this intervention from Hashem to undermine the normal processes of the world, to undermine the stability of the world. In other words, Rashi is telling us another layer of sensitivity. If the Abisha is in the process of undermining the value of the world, undermining the nature of the world, you don't want a child to be born in that energy. Of course, only Yosef could have this, this consideration because he's the only person knows who knows in advance what's coming.
Whereas the lesson we'll derive and how to apply it to other people uh, when not to engage in having children. Ordinary people who can't know for sure in advance what's going to happen. We only would then have the restriction against intimacy in the time of pain, not in advance of the time of pain. And he has another great example of where Rashi, who does fundamentally address the simplest understanding of the Pasuk, simultaneously gives us tremendous insight into the deep esoteric meaning of the Pasuk. In the setup of the spiritual worlds, Atsilis, which is the most sublime and the most elevated, is Dafka linked to Asiya, which is the most tactile and tangible. The same principle applies that. The deepest, most esoteric part of Torah is specifically linked to the simplest part of Torah. In the Pshat, that's Tafka, we'll find the, the Soita secrets. Where are we going to find that? Let's have a look at the Zohar on our parasha. The Zohar tells us, The Zohar says, if there's a famine, it means this is, these are days of bad energy. On the Fari says, And therefore, Yosef closed up shop, so to speak, not to have children during this period. Because the Zayar says, children that are born during a period of famine, are considered, so to speak, outsiders. They, they, they're kind of removed from the world of Kedusha. And then the Zayar says, Yosef was even more aware or, or cautious than that. Not only did he not, not want to conceive a child in a time of toxic energy, he didn't want to bring a child into a world of toxic energy, energy of Sitra Akhra. Like the Rebbe's father, Rebbe Leibach, explains in his comments on the Zayar. Not only did he want to make sure not to conceive a child during the period of famine, but not even to give birth to a child during such a period. Even if the conception happened long before the famine, because he didn't want children to be born in the world of, the side of, in the world of impurity. That's exactly what Rashi is telling us just in Pshat words. That the reason that Yosef didn't have children at the time of the famine is not because Jews were suffering, but rather because it's Shneira Oven, because there's a negative time frame. When the world is in a state of deprivation. And so the Rebbe has a great message for how we should approach and learn Rashi. We see again the amazing insights that Rashi offers on the Torah. When we approach Rashi with a correct approach, which is to understand that Rashi is written also, or maybe even primarily, for the five-year-old who's entering the, the world of Torah for the first time. And therefore we understand that we must take Rashi's words at face value because they're designed even for a child. 
To the extent that even when Rashi quotes the Gemara, is up a sign kavonet abay vidapirish apostut from the verita. We shouldn't get caught up in the Gemara, but in the simple, the, whatever the Gemara is telling us, which is relevant to the simple understanding of the pasuk. Interpreted at a scale or level that the five-year-old could appreciate. If we take that approach, we will naturally frequently find will be able to resolve questions that the other Mephoshim agonize over and will even be able to get and understand the deeper secrets of the Torah from taking an approach to Rashi which is humble enough to take Rashi at his word and that's an amazing thing for us to bear in mind when we learn Rashi and Amit Hashem to get all the value that Rashi has to offer